0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin This is my podcast broadcasting from a uh, hotel room. I'm recording this early in the morning and um, I feel as though uh, I have to watch my volume. I have to be careful uh, as to how loud I am. I don't want to disturb the other guests. I don't think these Walls are that thin. It's an old-ass hotel, but I don't think the walls are that thin. I don't know. I don't know what people tolerate. Generally, I find that people in hotel rooms tolerate a lot. I do. I do. I, I, there's, sometimes there's nothing you can do about things, even though you feel entitled to be treated a certain way or to have things work out. That's my life lesson for today. Sometimes your expectations, even though they seem reasonable, will not be met and you'll get fucked somehow. And you kind of got to suck it up now because there's uh, very little recourse anymore on almost any level. Now, I don't know if that's an indicator that society is breaking down, but uh, something is. Or maybe it was just always shitty. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. What am I talking about? How are you? I'm sorry. What's going on? Are you okay? How was breakfast? You didn't eat breakfast? Why didn't you eat breakfast? Should always eat a little something. It's good. It's an important meal. I've heard it's the most important meal of the day. I forego it myself sometimes, but I understand. So, look, Robert Eggers is on the show now. He directed The Witch and The Lighthouse, the new film. I'm sure you've heard coming is the, called The Northman. I saw it. it. It might be genius. Might be a film genius guy. Definitely has the uh, the kind of uh, focus and control over what he wants. To come through that camera and for you to see comes from a theatrical background, directing uh, stage productions, doing costume and set design, which helps explain uh, some of his meticulous attention to detail. But nonetheless, it, you you know, it it is a character thing. But I I, I tell you, I will tell you this. I watched all the movies. Now, look, I, I watched The Lighthouse twice when it came out. I thought it was visionary in some ways. But I went and watched The Witch, his first movie, which I thought was amazing Truly amazing in terms of the story, which and I'm not a big horror guy or folktale guy. folktales tales more than horror, but I guess they kind of feed one another at certain, in certain situations. But the attention to detail, to language, to structure, and to uh, even architecture and tools, ceramics, holes, digging, fences, the forest, costumes, the weirdness. I enjoyed it. And I watched this new film, The Northman, which is like, wow, holy fuck. You curious about Vikings? Well, you're about to know about Vikings. And it's a exciting, bloody shit show. Beautifully shot. And uh, amazingly acted. And historically, almost perfect. I had some experience with Vikings. I was hoping to be part Viking, as some of you recall from my conversations after I visited uh, Scandinavia. But it's nice to have some context and to understand that... Uh, no matter how glorious they may seem, not a great bunch uh, in terms of uh, morality necessarily. But, uh, you know, they had their own ways, their own religions. I'm not going to ramble on speculatively about Vikings. I'm just saying the movie's great and I like talking to Robert Eggers. So I'm out in it. I'm recording this in Providence. I, I will tell you about what happened. I will tell you about, I will tell you because, I mean, it's, indi- it's an indicator about me but it's also like I felt I got I got to uh call myself out. So, I fly from LA, I leave mid-afternoon cuz I knew I could just, I was just going to land, rent a car and drive to a uh, Nyack from JFK. So now loyalty, for some reason I was pretty loyal to American Airlines for a long time. Now all of a sudden because I have an Amex card of a certain type, I can use the club at Delta. Americans more expensive, so I'm trying to Save some money somehow, even though I don't essentially need to. It's always good to be thrifty. I I have a brain that does that. But now I fly Delta. Not great. It wasn't great this time. I flew first class. It was an old plane. It was a little janky. Is that the word I want? Couldn't get the video to work, and you could just feel the age of it. The technology of the seats. Like when I pushed the button to to recline, it was like kang gang, kang 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 and I was like, that, all right, whatever. I, again, I'm in no, I should be nothing but grateful that I have the life I have. I'm not complaining in a genuine way. These are just, maybe I am, but I'm, I'm calling myself out because it's bullshit, man. I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. But yeah, it was just, and you know, how come the monitor doesn't work? I don't want to be an asshole. And I know I can't, I don't want to be that guy. But but there's part of you that thinks in terms of value or what you deserve, right? And maybe people can't relate to this, but I my screen wasn't working, and I had a five hour flight ahead of me, and I wanted to rewatch a movie I didn't really like, and so like I I I really had to decide whether or not I was going to go up to the flight attendant, and go like you know my uh, is there someone we can get the video working? And then in my brain went to like composing an email to Delta. It's like what is first class about if I can't watch a movie I didn't really want to watch just because I have the time. So. That was the beginning of the problem with my brain. And this only happens in certain situations and I don't like it. Now, again, loyalty. I rent cars at Hertz. They're not the cheapest, they're probably the worst. I don't know much about it, it's just something I've done for a long time and, and I'm a gold member. I don't know what that means really other than I can see my name on a board, I generally don't have to go to the counter. Both of those things are exciting, especially if you travel a lot. Hey look, I'm on the board, what space am I? So I walked a mile and a half to go to the rental car center and I go to the Hertz and it's like 10:30 it's like 11 at night I see my name on the board and I also saw there was a Hasidic family there the the man was at the counter and the woman with I think around 7 kids and she couldn't have been 40 was standing there with this you know this full uh, arc of age groups of kids was standing there with a look on her face that was a mixture between PTSD exhaustion and just existential displacement. That's what I saw. In, and she was pregnant again. And she and her pregnancy looked exhausted. And I don't want to judge anybody, but I felt it was heavy. Because, you know, I'm a Jew, they're Jews. The difference between us is a lot of kids, outfits, wigs, hats, you know, ritual. But, but in that moment, Happy Passover, by the way. But in that moment, I thought, this woman's in trouble. And this is sad and horrible. And uh, I'm just going to walk by her and get my car. And then I thought for a minute, like, maybe I can save her. Maybe I can save her. And then I think my brain went, what? And then I went out to the parking place. I went out into uh, the lot to get the car. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention I'm presidential circle. What does that mean? I don't know. I think it just means that you can pick your own car, which is actually more of a challenge than just getting a car. I like a full or midsize car generally. Uh, Sometimes I'll get a small car, but not usually and president circle I don't know how I got in it or what it means or if it's really a good thing But they usually have about you know five six maybe 10 midsize Or full-size cars and you pick it which means for me You never think that you've picked the right car you make your decision you get in you drive a half hour And you're like fuck why didn't I get the other thing, but I get out there And there's two cars in the presidential circle area. Their trunks are open. I'm like, I'm about to get in one. And there's a guy walking around. There's no other cars in this lot. And I'm like, why can't I get this car? He's like, those are premium upgrades. I'm like, I'm presidential circle. He's like, well, premium upgrades are you know, that's the next level up. And I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Can I just take this car? He's like, no, they're premium upgrades. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, so I'm getting fucked here. This is some sort of racket. Someone's on the take. Why can't I just have one of these cars? I mean, how am I not important? And I'm, I'm starting to get angry and I'm like, all right, so fine, well, I'm, uh, I'm president circle. Where are the cars? He's like, we don't have any cars. I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? I'm on the board. I'm president circle. He's like, I know, but there's no cars. I'm like, where are the cars? He's like they' they're coming and I'm like, when? What does that mean? He's like, well, they're upstairs and they gotta wash them. I'm like, how long? And now I think it should be noted here, I got nowhere to really go. I just want to be you know driving. It's late. He's like, I don't know, 15 minutes a half hour. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Now now I'm the yelling man roll with his rolling bag, you know, just screaming, you, know, a bearded, yelling old man in the empty parking lot at Hertz at JFK, just sort of like, this is bullshit. Where are the fucking cars? How is this a business? And and then, you know, the guys are like, I'm, they're, they're coming. I'm like, when? And then I go back over to the cars that are premium upgrade. Like, I'm just like in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to fucking take one of these cars. I don't give a shit. And I roll angrily over there. The guy, the kid's just watching me and I roll angrily over there to those two cars and both of, all the doors are locked. So I'm now I'm the angry man who has made a decision to take a stand, take a car, doors are locked and I check all the doors. So that doesn't work. And then I roll back and I'm like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Where's my car? And then I pick up my phone I'm holding it and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call Hertz. And who am I going to talk to at Hertz? That was the lamest, most impotent thing I could do. Like, I'm going to call Hertz now and take care of this. I'm like, I'll be on hold for an hour and a half. I will not even get a human being for a half hour, maybe. So make a choice. Do you want to stand there as cars go by, waiting for Hertz to pick up? I could have gone back in, but there was a line in there, and I have to, you know, the Orthodox lady and their family was there, which made me sad. But now I'm thinking, like, I got time to po- perhaps save the lady. Maybe I should like in the 15 minutes to a half an hour that I'm waiting for a car to come down going, let me take you away from this. Let's go. I can get us out of here and just, I'll take the kid, the one that's in your belly. Let's just go. Let's just go. You're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Call my mother from the car. Mom, I met a, a Hasidic lady, a, a Jewish woman, and uh, we're having a baby. Uh, we're driving to Florida. So 15 minutes go by and I'm just fuming and standing there with this guy who was not being ma- uh, You know, he was being understanding, but I was fuming. And first car that comes down is like a a half an SUV. I think it's a Ford EcoSport, but it looked new. And I, you know, and and I, and I was like, it comes down. I'm like, can I plug my phone into that? Because I can. Can I plug my phone into that? Because that's very important to me that I can get CarPlay. And the guy's like, yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's a. It's. It's a small car. So I don't give a fuck. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Like I'm winning. Like this is my. My, my declarative kind of like, fuck you, is I'm, I'm taking this car. And I drove off, and it might as well have been a tricycle. I might as well have been on a tricycle, flipping the guy off, ringing the little bell. Bling, ding, bling, ding. <laughs> fuck you, man. I won. I won. I won. It's not a bad car. Though I did was driving up here to Providence, and I did yeah, out the entire way. I was like, I should have just waited. Maybe I'll stop at another Hertz and traded it. But the entitlement of it, it's a fine car. It's all fine. I just have that brain. It's like everyone else got a better thing than me. Oh my God. It's so stupid. I did almost two hours. Hour fifty four in Providence last night it was spectacular. Columbus. Columbus Theater. It was a great show for me. But I don't know what I'm expecting. Like I, I feel like I'm out here doing the driving on my own. Just going up there, hammering it out heroically. <laughs> for what? <laughs> Where The joy of doing it, the joy of doing it, right? That's what it is, the joy of doing it. So look, uh, Robert Eggers, it it was good. I'm glad we talked. It was intense. He's an intense fellow, but I think he's a tremendously gifted filmmaker, and I'm excited to see how his work unfolds. The Northman, his newest film, opens in theaters this Friday, April 22nd. This is me. Talking to uh, Robert Eggers.
1: I had avocado on yeah. toast in L.A. this morning. Can you believe it? What a fucking shock.
0: <laughs> have you... Have you? Uh, is that an unusual thing for you to eat? Or is it just the fact that you did it in L.A. and it seems to fit a certain stereotype of our... Of our horrible city,
1: <laughs> um, both. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Do you yeah. eat it regularly?
1: Not super regularly, I. But but you know.
0: Yeah, I had to give up on avocados.
1: Well, there's a lot of them about here. Yeah, yeah. But then there's uh, all everything that's going with it politically. Yeah.
0: yeah, politically, culturally, I think. Also, I don't know about the politics of avocados.
1: Well, I, I guess it's all the that the like drug lords like own the avocados. Oh, is that tray. true? Yeah. And then but then I've been in Europe and you can't really, it, like in London it's- you No know, avocados. Well,
0: they have them, but yeah. they're not very good. No. I, well, some of them are bad here, which is why I got out of it. It wasn't uh, on principle because they were drug lord avocados, <laughs> but they were <laughs> they were just inconsistent. Yeah. And then you go to a nice place, you're probably staying in a nice hotel, where you're like, this is an amazing avocado. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, where the fuck do they get those? Yeah. And then if you're conspiracy minded people, they're aligned with the drug lords, clearly. Clearly. For the high end avocados. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but uh, but you never you're not out here unless you're doing this, huh? No, yeah, N- not if I can help it. So, the last time you were out here was around the lighthouse, that's right. Yeah, so a couple of years ago before the pandemic, before the pandemic, yeah. And uh, how's it feel?
1: <laughs> I mean, I just got here. Oh, yeah, um. Like, cause I, I was doing press in Europe for two weeks, yeah, and so I'm a little bit turned around, oh yeah, but yeah, trying yeah. to take it in stride as yeah. as Willem Dafoe reminded me and Alex Skarsgard in Rome, we're not fucking coal miners, yeah, <laughs> so like it's all right.
0: <laughs> he always has little tidbits of wisdom that Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, uh, where do you live
1: though? Um, at the moment I live in New Hampshire, but I'm uh, that's temporary.
0: Why didn't you grow grew up, up around there. there? I grew up there. Yeah, where? What town?
1: Um, I grew up in Lee, which mm. is of little distinction, but I'm I'm living like in a town called Portsmouth. That's like nice. No,
0: I know about that place. I started my comedy career up in that area. I was just there. I was in Laconia. Oh yeah, yeah, in the middle. I, I guess yeah. that's sort of in the middle. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of these small weird towns that's trying to kind of revive itself. But driving through that area because I'd done so much of my early comedy work in in those states, it's kind of uh, it's beautiful but sad somehow I agree yeah I used to I did community theater in Laconia growing up I I was probably at that theater oh really (laughs) what theater was it ah you don't remember I don't remember but it was like a real theater yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, it yeah. must have been that there's only one theater there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then there is another one in Wolfboro that I did stuff in as well. But the but Laconia Laconia yeah. Playhouse.
0: Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah it's right there on that water. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at the uh, the Best Western Plus, <laughs> and that was the best hotel they had. I'm sure it was. So so your life is dug in there. It Had the impact the New England the thing. The New England thing. Yeah,
1: it's uh, yeah.
0: But. But how did you grow up? Your dad was—he uh, was where?
1: So my dad uh, was at the University of New Hampshire. Okay, and a uh, teacher. Well, he became the provost.
0: What does a provost do?
1: It's like the president. Okay, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. right. Or vice president, right? Basically,
0: the standard bearer for the school.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's an administrator. Oh, that's or it. Was an administrator.
0: Well, what was know? his? Uh, what did he teach? Shakespeare. Oh, really? So did yeah. you get uh, infused with that? <clears throat> very much, very much so. Yeah. Really. Yeah, all, all the way through your like beginning of life, your dad for someone to, to teach Shakespeare, they got to believe that it's pretty important. So you must have been fed it. <laughs>
1: pretty yeah, early yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I remember like being like six and yeah. and watching Olivier's Richard the Third and right. thinking like he's cool, he's kind of like Captain Hook. I can right. get into this and uh, <laughs> yeah. seeing like Titus Andronicus on stage and thinking it was scary as fuck, and then. Luckily, that was followed by Midsummer Night's Dream. So and that was fun. That was fun, yeah.
0: So you understood it.
1: I think I, I was brought up in an environment where no, no one expected me. No one said, you won't be able to understand
0: this. Right, but it was just a given.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, and- This and, is what we
0: do in this house.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like shameful if, if I, I'd be like, what the, What yeah. was that? But, but it was just sort of, you know, this is, the, you know- you want a peanut butter sandwich? This is like we have. Uh, this is what we have. Yeah, you know, it was there. Yeah, and your mom was an academic as well. She eventually uh, had a kids' theater company when I was uh, like was around twelve. She started a kids' theater company, but she was an, was an actress and a, and a dancer uh, before I was born in in, in New York.
0: So was it a, a dream fulfilled or she got out before? I mean, like, was she a working dancer and actor?
1: I mean, she, she, she was on One Life to
0: Live and had, like, a recurring role. Uh, you know, she, yeah. she
1: had some, yeah. some, some, some success.
0: Pre, uh, pre-procedural New York regular acting gigs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was on the soaps. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, but she wasn't a bitter person around uh, acting. She, no, I mean, yeah.
1: she, she was full of, uh, life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, that's good. And and this is like an exciting environment to grow up in academics and people who embrace the arts, progressive people, I imagine.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's weird because, you know, rural New Hampshire is yeah. rural New Hampshire. There's and a type
0: of townie in New England that's pretty intense.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and I and I, you know, I didn't understand growing up that like the town that I lived was basically college professors mm-hmm. and then more or less like rural poor.
0: Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's still yeah. I can I could really feel it when I was driving through this time more yeah. than I ever noticed when I haven't well, been here in years.
1: I think though, thanks to like. Our last president, that, you know, I mean, so yeah, my wife and I are both from New Hampshire. Yeah. And it is more divisive and in some ways, more small-minded than when we grew up there. Sure. You know, in some ways it's not more yeah. small-minded, but in some right. ways it is. And it's Well, their of, lines drawn now. Well, that's the thing. And yeah. and and it's like you get going to get gas and seeing some like pretty horrific bumper stickers that were sure. around when I was a kid with yeah. a kind of rage against Right. uh, you know, liberals. Indeed. Yeah, uh, it's you know it, it's uh, it's weird.
0: or Whatever their concept of liberals yeah, are, yeah, exactly. Yeah, woke people, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, the, the tribalization of it is just a, the the possibility of dehumanization to the point of lack of empathy becomes kind of uh, pressing right now. the 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 uh, the momentum of uh, what seems to be fascism is uh, is very real. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have
1: siblings? I do. Yeah, I've got I've got um, younger brothers that are um, twins.
0: Yeah, oh really? Yeah. Was that weird?
1: yeah it was weird um <laughs> like <coughs> it my first feature has creepy twins yeah it did. They're, they're,
0: I was just uh, thinking about that and yeah. which those are those are like the creepiest I've seen since the shining at at least cool
1: well, <laughs> yeah, they are based on my brothers
0: <laughs> it was the syncopation of them that got creepy, sure <laughs> and I guess that's something that happens with twins naturally
1: yeah I mean they my brothers they Are they identical they're fraternal okay. but they but they look quite a lot alike uh-huh. and but yeah, they spoke their own language and uh Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So
0: now where does the appreciate like when do you start kind of formulating a vision where does it come from because it seems that it, you know I don't know if it's a specific vision or an auteur thing but I mean when you make a movie you seem to, to be very deliberate and know exactly what you're heading you know what you want. So where does that and what is the the it it seems like this last movie the new one which I watched and the witch I have uh, there's a common thread there there's a, a supernatural there's folklore there's you know myth to a degree right
1: yeah i mean i'm not very uh I stick to what I I stick to what I like, I stick to what I know.
0: Right, you know? but yeah, but I mean, but these are like uh there, there's a there's something about the the supernatural and the mythic that kind of must have blown your mind at some point when you were a kid, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that there's not like a single moment it wasn't like, right. you know, the yeah. the doors of perception opened and everything changed. Right. But sure. I mean, I you know, I don't I don't know. Like people ask me about all this stuff like all the time. They do? Uh yeah, you know, and I think Something that I've been saying lately, <laughs> which seems to yeah. work, uh, is that you know, growing up in a secularized society, uh, there's not a lot, you know, of the sublime, you know, uh, around. So, being enamored of the past and and and, and with, let's, we'll just talk about the Northmen, this Viking movie. Sure. Like, um, you know, I was never into vikings the the macho stereotype put me off we talked. we just talked about my childhood a little bit but you can imagine like i was a sensitive kid yeah like you know sure i liked conan the barbarian but like this macho you didn't like stuff.
0: metal music uh
1: i like it now but 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 growing up i mean growing up like as a kid 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 i yeah. like listening to show tunes which sure. i can't stand i can't stand but but you know i you know if you
0: did why was that because your mom yeah.
1: It was in the house. It was in, and you're If you're doing theater, like in a rural area, like most of it's going to be musical. How old were you? I started doing that, like starting in elementary
0: school. So that was where you were going to Laconia to do that, that, uh, yeah, child theater? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. Well, was... there, well, <clears throat> that was an adult theater. We, oh, okay.
0: And, and I think we did,
1: uh, Hello Dolly there. Um, and yeah. And so, but, uh,
0: you must have liked it at the time.
1: I loved it at the time. Yeah, but now like you feel traumatized now. Well, I just a lot of what I'm into now yeah. it, it, like is kind of a reaction to what I was into as as a kid. Like, you know, I, I would I liked musicals and yeah. I and you know, and I liked Spielberg and George Lucas. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Spielberg and George sure. Lucas, but you know, sure. but like that was what what I grew up with and also this Disney idea that like every dream you can wish can come true. Now, like, <clears throat> by the way, thanks for that false idea. Yeah. Because, like, I think I couldn't have survived <laughs> sure. childhood without it. But
0: that's also a parenting idea.
1: Sure. Yeah. But it's also something that's, like, not real.
0: Of course not.
1: You know? But um, what are you going
0: to do to a kid? It's not going to work out. Good luck. You're on your own.
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but I do think that... Um, you know, I, I do think you can still maybe tell a fairy tale with a little bit of moral ambiguity that can still be good for a kid. kid. Uh, but but I, but, um, but but you had Shakespeare. Well, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but that's interesting, the idea of secular in that, you know, because when you're just sort of living in a progressive home where you make, you know, where education is, is a premium and you're not, you're, not, you're not having a religious life, because a lot of those questions is sort of like around hope and and realizing dreams, for for people who have belief systems, it's sort of tempered by this idea that, on the bottom line, we're going to be okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But when you don't have that, I guess at a certain age, you're like, holy shit, yeah. I'm alone. <laughs> yeah.
1: Totally. <laughs> so yeah, but 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 like having. Uh, having living in a religious uh, or mythological system where yeah. every single thing around you is imbued with significance is appealing to me.
0: But you know that can happen with just
1: paranoia. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, well, my my wife, yeah. who's a, who's a clinical psychologist, yeah. was working on a paper about you know f- you know folk customs and OCD.
0: You know, I I do a joke about that. That like you know ritual is OCD. Yeah, for sure. It's it's dis- it's like. Intentional OCD yeah, to to maintain some sort of uh, stability or, or emotional stability. Yeah. So she found that to be true. Yeah. And what was that paper for? Is it published? No,
1: it's not. It turned oh. into something else. Now she's writing a book about. Uh, well, I don't know if she want me to say this, but she's oh. writing a book.
0: About, no. All right. Well, it, it's the same with with the popularity of conspiracy theories. That's a, that's an untethered world that seems to kind of come back around to Christianity and Jew hate. Mm-hmm. But but somehow you know that that. Is a, a, a mythological system. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fleeting and not as well yeah, founded. And, yeah, as and not, the Nordic religion. Sure, or Scandinavian right. stuff. <laughs> but it, it fills the same void. It does. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: but all. I mean, look. I mean, my own. The only reason why I can see that everyone's so obsessed with superheroes is that that's like the pagan pantheon of for today. You know. I mean, and people. Like the you know, Comic Con becomes these great religious festivals where people like impersonate the gods that they worship. You right? Know? I mean, but, it's
0: like, but the, but, the, but the but I think what's missing though, and I agree with that, but but the fact that it's a cultural phenomenon and and it is you know based in in, in a certain amount of fan culture, and they know on some level they're not real. So in order for it to be like an effective mm-hmm. system, they would have to believe it. Yeah. Well, that's to uncomfortable
1: and too vulnerable for today's culture (laughs) is that what it is i don't know sounds good that does that sound like a good sentence no i don't know
0: but no i'm just like i'm I'm curious because i think about this stuff all the time i mean there are people that have dug in beliefs around you know fairly uh uh predictable gods that you know have been around for a long time and they kind of twist and turn those to accommodate them but i don't know what the kids or the culture is really about or how fleeting it is but i know that the fan culture around that stuff and the rituals around that stuff is aggressive and real and i guess fanaticism is kind yeah. of a religious thing yeah but but what's missing is the idea of genuine belief in that in that thing right true true and that's
1: and that, and i guess that's what i'm mm, trying like searching this
0: sounds precious, but maybe searching for in the work that i do no i feel that i mean yeah. i mean that makes sense to me uh, you know i don't know what the exact uh uh Uh, definition of sublime is but i think like even like going back to to the witch like in watching that you know that whatever's in your brain where whatever your resources were whatever you're drawing from it doesn't matter if it's something specific but the artfulness of of the composition and whatever attention you pay to detail in and of itself filmically is is uh that in and of itself is a sublime thing so whatever you're doing narratively to approach the sublime is that story thing, but it seems that like just in terms of the film itself, you have a, an intention.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean the hope, and, I, and I'm not saying that I'm achieving this, but the hope is that the whole thing is. Uh, cinema in that like all you know you know the the atmosphere is 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 an accumulation of all these details yeah, of all the sure. the, the research in, in the you know physical verisimilitude of the of of the period world but also what's going on what what, what, the, what the belief system is and then more importantly within that is is the story and then you know where me and my DP Jaron placed the camera is very specific, and we shoot single camera, and we don't shoot a lot of coverage. So, so the idea is that you know is that we're just we're constantly pushing forward with one organic thing that is like the film. Yeah, you know it should all be one piece. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you know sometimes we get it. You know not always, but that's what we're kind of striving for.
0: And also because of the attention to the detail and what all these things you're saying is that when you frame something like that. You know, it kind of comes off the screen as something almost familiar uh, aesthetically in painting or, mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever has been captured before of that time. And you must pay so much attention to detail that it, it rings sort of true to that. Like even, y- you know, in The Witch, which is in, uh, they're both in my mind. Uh, m- more than the lighthouse because the lighthouse has a lot of bits and pieces to it that that don't fit together the same way to sure. me. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but there are there there are moments in that that look like Flemish painting. <laughs> you know where sure. where she's in that barn with her head on the table. It looks like a what's it the pearl earring guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Vermeer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. So you're thinking yeah. that lighting wise,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, to some degree, like you know if you have someone in seventeenth century clothes clothing and there's light coming out of one window, like because that's what would be No, I get it. It's that, gonna yeah. look like a vermeer. But yes, like me and Jaron and my collaborators, we are cognizant of the history of western art and 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 study it admire it and and consider it yeah you know for sure yeah
0: yeah well that's good i mean i mean but this is like this is part of it that's why it's hard it's difficult for directors to talk about this stuff and why i don't talk to a lot of directors (laughs) and why directors are are wary you know to discuss their work you know because they want people to take in what they're going to take in do you know what i mean sure yeah because you you know it's hard not to be like to say that you did all these things on purpose, because as a director, there there's a certain element of aesthetic vision and cinematic vision and, and leadership stuff that all have to come together that you for can't sure. really just say like, oh yeah, that's exactly the intention we had was to make it look like a, a Vermeer painting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For yeah. sure. But like going back to what you're saying before, in this, this seeming spite towards your younger self... Uh, what was a transition moment where you know you were a song and dance man as a kid and perfectly happy and excited what broke you to 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 sort of kind of become more cynical
1: there was there was a lot of a lot of small things yeah. but like the two the, the you know two of the biggest things were two uh male mentors one right. uh was this Latvian-American painter, Hyman Bloom, mm-hmm. um, who seemed like a wizard to me and was very... I didn't totally understand this at the time, but was very into the occult and theosophy. And, Where'd uh, you find his stuff? Well, he was doing a show at the University of New Hampshire because he lived in New Hampshire, and oh. he became... He kind of, like... We, we, we met him. My parents met him and, and became f- friends with him. But, I, but, you know, he was doing these gigantic, like, six or eight-foot-tall... Charcoal drawings of demons on astral planes, that uh-huh. I, and I was pretty blown away. How old were you? Uh, Ten. And at the time, <laughs> well, like I was yeah. at the time, I was into comic books and stuff, yeah. and I was drawing them. And he gave me uh, a, an, Al, an Albrecht Durer book and a, and a book of Martin Schongauer, Martin Schongauer, and some other Northern Renaissance, like woodcuts. Yeah, woodcuts and engravings. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, if you can draw these, you can draw anything. And that. Sort of was like I. I practically took all my comic books and set them on fire. You know, not I didn't. Right. You know, but right. I, but I did literally kind of put them in file cabinets and yeah. and 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 became obsessive. And then the other thing was this guy who ran a theater uh, called the Edwin Booth. And his name was Edward Langlois, and he uh, did did sort of um, like you know the Duchess of Malfi and True West mm-hmm. like at, at, in in a storefront theater uh, in Dover New Hampshire and he saw me in a high school play and cast me in in a show that he was doing and then later on I did a senior directed play uh, with my friend Ashley Kelly Tata who now directs experimental opera I did a play of Nosferatu right. and he saw that and brought it to his theater to do a, a slightly more professional version of it and you know and I think if there was anything still left over of uh, mm, Commercial tastes it kind of died with, with that the, Nosferatu. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah. Because of uh, 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 what, what specifically in the story do you think?
1: Well, I just think it was just it was like um, it was it was just we we were doing something different and yeah. and 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 also you know Ed's taste was was seemed to me to be very sophisticated yeah. and, and and elite and uh, and it kind of just you know changed the lens in which I, I viewed things blew your mind blew my mind
0: yeah it's it's an amazing thing when that happens and I think it can still happen it must happen for you you know maybe not as dramatically no no but- it can't happen the way that it did uh in
1: your like childhood through through your 20s i think it kind of you know after
0: 25 it happens less and less but it's interesting when something's put in your head that makes you reconfigure how you see everything
1: for sure and i and i'm sure like i think that i think that for me i need to be in a pretty dark place in order to be ready for something r- really big to to sh- to shake me. And you now. Feel, now. now. Oh, really? Now. Not not then, right. but now. Like I need to be like in a place where of of near despair to then be like awoken to something new. Well, well, well I guess You know, cuz even even if I see a movie mm-hmm. that like really fucking surprises me and inspires me, yeah. like nothing's going to inspire me the way the films did when I was younger, you know, when I hadn't seen as much
0: stuff. And what was uh, what was being introduced to you as films, you know, post your uh, your kind of uh, rebirth into darkness? There, you know, outside of commercial films.
1: Well, you just... so in high school, it was still you know there wasn't a lot of stuff available in rural New Hampshire. So like you know, so Tim Burton was like a god of someone who was doing something different, and then yeah. but then oh wow, Terry Gilliam, like that's really interesting, and then yeah, yeah. oh man, oh David Lynch, what's that about? Yeah. And, yeah. and like Julie Tamers Titus was at the video store. Ho 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 ho, you know. But then when I moved to New York like it, then I it, like, did you
0: go to New York how old were you uh,
1: 17, 18 I went
0: to like an acting conservatory so that was the deal, you were gonna do the acting?
1: Well, I wanted to direct, but I had got, had terrible grades, and I didn't know how to, I would become a director, and and go, getting into this acting conservatory got me out of Cow Hampshire and into New York.
0: Now, w- the grades thing, what, was it just because you weren't interested in certain things and interested in others? I was
1: interested in acting and playing music and drawing. And, what did you play? Uh, I played bass in various bands. Punk bands? No, no. uh, I we it was started out as a classic rock cover band. Oh yeah, and and then like a blues band, and then and then I had like a kind of large kind of of funk band, and then and a small jazz ensemble that I played with. And and I thought I was I was maybe going to go to Berkeley actually, but then Nosferatu. uh, Like I got accepted to Berkeley to play bass, but then. When Nosferatu happened, i that's when I knew that that was what I needed wow, to Nosferatu do.
0: Wow, Nosferatu killed everything about your childhood. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. No, I know, I know. But it's just for, <laughs> because you must have been a pretty good bass player to get into Berkeley. I was good enough to get into Berkeley, but I really
1: wasn't. I was good enough. I would work, I, I work hard at the things that I care about, but yeah. I wasn't really cut out to be a musician. But I'm really grateful to that. I'm really grateful to, like, Mr. LaForce's music history class in high school, because, like, you know the you know the Northmen, the score. Like, yeah. the, the more, the more like you know, none of my movies work without the score. Right. But the Northmen being this, this such a big film, like I think it's two hours and fifteen minutes, and we Robin Carolyn and, and Seb Gainsborough composed two hours of music. Yeah. And I need to be able to communicate with these guys. Yeah. And thankfully I can.
0: Right. You know. Because of that. Because the of integration that. of everything that came before. Yes. Huh. So, how much theater did you do other than that Nosferatu? That was stuff that you felt was, you know, within this new point of view. Were you able to?
1: I did. I did some. I did some Shakespeare. I did some Ionesco. Um, at that theater. At that theater, and then I, and then basically, I was like a working actor in New York, doing off, 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 off Broadway, playing a lot of Shakespearean yeah. villains, and then I kind of felt like, you know, the directors that were directing me, I couldn't be worse than them. <laughs> so then, me and my friends, like we started our own yeah. theater company in New York. In New York, and we're yeah. and we're kind of doing that kind of thing.
0: And when when you say that the the painter, uh, Hyman Bloom, Hyman yeah. Bloom, is he still around?
1: No, he he died. He uh. he was he he lived to be almost a hundred or maybe a hundred. Do you,
0: do you own some of his work? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you say that you found out later, or that it, he was into the occult, was that? Because, like, when you first realize that that stuff's going on, I mean, I was in my twenties, and I, and if you have an open mind to it, it is kind of a, a mind fucker. So, to what degree did that enter your brain?
1: Um, I think, uh, I mean, this was like shocking to me, yeah. like, in a New Yorker article, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but what? Just, just like my Jerry and my DP like asked me what my biggest fears were, and one yeah. of them is like believing you know uh, because I think period well I I, this is because now we're saying like we really are saying I want to believe and now I'm saying well believing leads you know but but can lead to madness Uh you know I mean like absolutely you know I mean and that's well that's what the witch is about well sure you know and and I think I mean that's certainly what the lighthouse is about yeah and uh, whatever that's about (laughs) but but I think you, you know most occultists like unless they are 100% 100% charlatans, like, and end up mad and penniless, you know, because once you believe it's real.
0: Right. And and then you're all of a sudden, you're uh, a pariah, you know, what, you know, whether you see it that way or not. Yeah. You probably see yourself as a seer, but, right. you know. Yeah. But there's just people looking at you going like, what is that guy yelling about?
1: Yeah, totally. So that's a
0: fear. You don't, sure. you don't want to be the yelling. Well,
1: guy. I mean, I, I when I was when I was researching one film, I was like getting really, 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 really deep into stuff. And I remember I was on this airplane, being like, "Oh yeah, of course! Like, of course, these spiritualists weren't talking to dead people; they were talking to elemental spirits, yeah. obviously." And then I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like, <laughs> you need gotta, to calm down. Got to pull it back a little
0: bit." Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there was it, it probably was just the, the logic of these stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not like you know, like I know, I talk to elemental spirits. Yeah,
1: but know. but but you know, then that that then you realize it's a slippery slope. No, I know,
0: I got, I was, you know, I cocaineed myself into psychosis. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was a kid for a couple of years, and everything was connected, man. Yeah, and it made solid sense. Yeah. Yeah. See the signs. Yeah. yeah. But the weird thing is, is that not not unlike filmmaking, if you get enough people to believe, you can bend reality to your will. I mean, it doesn't mean it's real, but I mean, that momentum that, you know, is fascism or anything else or or even, you know, nationalism of any kind or even, you know, any religion, you're yeah. bending reality and yeah. you're bending people's will to comply with this thing. That yeah. is a way of to have interpret. But when you do... Let's just go through. Yeah, I want to talk about all the movies, if we can. I think we can. There's not a million of them. There's three. There's three. Yeah. <laughs> so The Witch, what is the seed? I mean, what what is like, you know, I, this is, wh- wh- where did it grow from?
1: I had made some short films, finally made one that wasn't terrible. My most terrible short film that I'm ashamed of. Yeah. Someone posted it online somehow. I don't know. Did
0: you try to rid the world of it?
1: I tried, but it, like it appeared like a month ago or <laughs> something did, like that. Where, where was it? How did I it... don't? It had to be somebody who, like, because I submitted to a bunch of festivals, only got into oh. one because it was because it, it was so bad. Yeah. So maybe somebody was like, "Oh gosh, like, I have this. I have this. I have no. I really don't know. I really don't know." Anyway. Um, I, and I started writing features, and after you know, after a different short film that had some momentum, but everything I wrote was too, basically, the scripts I was writing were too genreless. And mm. so, The Witch was my attempt to write something in a definable genre uh, that I could still be myself. And I was thought, okay, well. I'm not gonna have any money, so it's, I'm gonna have to probably make it in my proverbial parents' backyard. So it should be in New England. What's the archetypal New England spook? Witches, and and you know, and I'd grown up really interested in this, and grown up because of my dad thinking about like you know people who grew up during the reign of Queen Elizabeth were tromping around like as Puritans in the woods behind my house, and uh, you know, and those were kinds of the things that were the seed of of the witch, and, and also the
0: seed of America. Yeah. It's like it's, you know, pre, like there was some, you know, weirdos here pre revolution.
1: I, I mean, no, I mean, the people, the, 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 the pilgrim fathers, as they call them in England, were crazy. Yeah. You know, these people were, on the one hand, like the intelligentsia, but on the other hand, like religious fanatics. Total like, cult
0: weirdness yeah. in a new land.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they were coming here because they were weird where they were. Right. You know, and the, and the, the, pil- the pilgrims, as opposed to people who started the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they went to, you know, to fucking... <laughs> the was. Netherlands they went yeah. to the Netherlands uh because they could have religious freedom there but then they were like all these people are way too liberal like I c- we can't go here so they so they all decided that they would you know go
0: where there was nobody
1: yeah go well where there's quote to the quote new world where there's quote nobody aside from you know all Indigenous the native people, people. Right. Yeah.
0: so okay so that was the that was the setting mm-hmm. and so and then you start to put together so how does the this sort of attention to like what you talked about before, this continuity idea that you know not a lot of cutting, uh, slow movement in uh, big shots uh, and and like I imagine to build that barn and stuff must have been something
1: yeah, I mean, look, basically, I like doing things historically accurate, accurately or tr- attempting to there doesn't make it better, mm. but it is what I like to do um, because it it I feel that it grounds. Me and the film, and I and I also feel that it's in some ways it's a shortcut to having as many details as possible because you're you don't have to waste time inventing things. You can just like find them. You know, it's not like what's the coolest chair. It's like let's make a museum replica of that chair. So you, you, you oh, know.
0: oh really? So you have you know you have people using old timey tools and stuff.
1: Yeah, with the with the witch, it was small enough that we were really able to build it like kind of the way they built it for the most part. Yeah, uh, and certainly everything anything that was uh sh- on screen uh was was made with period techniques and uh and the uh you know uh and 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 everything in their house i knew like every object that would be in their house based on wills and inventories uh be- again because the world was so small and i and 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 luckily You know, people like movies, so even on my first film, I had some really great historians uh, advising on the film and willing to talk with me and my production designer and costume designer uh, on, you know, how to do it right.
0: And now, when when you tell a crew that you're going to do it that way, are they excited or are they like, "Wow"?
1: Well, it's <laughs> it's you know, with the witch, um, the, you know, the production design team is really excited, costume uh, department is really excited, but in general, you know, it was my first film, and we were trying to do some weird things, and and uh, and I think I had to prove myself. So there were certain some people in the crew were really excited, and some people were like, "Who do these?" Punks think they are, right? You know. Yeah. Then with the lighthouse, it was a different story because I w- was established, and then also Nova Scotia was having a hard time uh, with the film industry. Uh-huh. So, so basically, how so? Well, they they had taken away some tax incentives, so people oh. weren't making films right, right, there. Right. Yeah. So basically, it was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, and we also want to like prove that we know how to make films really well in Nova Scotia, you know. And then on the Northman, like I made two movies that prove myself but at the same time now i'm talking we're talking about a 70 million dollar movie versus like a three and a half or 11 million dollar movie and you know and so you know and and we had a very 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 experienced crew i'm still working with my same heads of department that i've been working with the whole time you know but with these experienced crew members who worked on game of thrones and ridley scott and and you know and would say like well this is how you do a scene like this and we would say thank you that's great that you know that's how you do a scene like this. But occasionally we'd have to say, well, but not on this one. Yeah. Not on this one. Like have- you,
0: was there like tension? No, because right.
1: these guys are professional. Right. But, but 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 certainly, maybe quietly, some people were like, who do these kids think they are? You know, But hopefully there will be even less of that. But I, I, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. Honestly, the crew was awesome. And I think they were excited that we were doing something different.
0: And you work with uh, several of the same actors because you- mm-hmm like them, I imagine. Mm-hmm. and it, it, It's like uh, that woman, uh, an, what is her name, Anya? Anya Taylor-Joy, yeah. To see her as a kid and then to see her as an adult, like how old was she in The Witch? She
1: hit, She turned
0: 18 the day before we started shooting. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You say that defensively. <laughs> I, did I? <laughs> <laughs> she was old enough. She was old enough <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, she's got some like in, in the Northman. I there was there is definitely something devastating about her without doing very much.
1: She, you know, she's a she's got a lot of power, and yeah. she's able to be ethereal and grounded at the same time. And she also, like, you know, imbues the text with a, a ton of subtext. You know, yeah, uh, I mean, that's how she was able to do that early modern English so well, and when she was a kid yeah. in, in The Witch, you know, and and here she doesn't have the same amount of dialogue, but she's still able, like, you know, a small line. Can be just a big gut punch. I mean, she's extremely talented.
0: Well, that's interesting about imbuing, uh, you know, subtext because it seems like that's what all your actors do. They have to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, cer- certainly. I mean, with this film, there's a lot less dialogue than in my other films. So in the Northmen. You, yeah, in the Northmen. So you definitely have to do that. But I think, in some ways, like I will compliment myself and say to say that it was well cast. Mm-hmm. You know, it was well cast, mm-hmm. and and because the characters in some ways are archetypes like Alexander Skarsgård believing that he's a, a a viking, looking like he's a viking in this landscape with this horrible weather, with this heightened dialogue, kind of just needs to say the lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, it, yeah. and it's working.
0: Sure. You know? So you you really got that English in the witch. I mean, you really went out of your way to to talk to the academics on how to present that. Yes. Yeah. So tell me Again, going into the lighthouse, what was the seed of that?
1: Well, it took a long time for anyone to want to make The Witch. And at some point, I thought, no, I'm never going to make The Witch. I need to make a smaller movie. And my brother had an idea for a ghost story in a lighthouse, uh, uh, and he was wanting to write. But, but And basically, it wasn't working out, so I asked him if I could steal the idea. So I was trying to write something cheaper and smaller. But then I realized you can't have a lighthouse movie without a storm, Which was going to be more expensive, so then I shelved that idea. But then, after The Witch came out, I was trying to do these big studio projects. There were things that came from me that I wrote, but they were big, and I just didn't have the uh, the clout to to kind of have any kind of power at all. And so, so I called my brother and said, "Let's work on the Lighthouse on the side, so that I have a backup, because I have a feeling like none of these are going to happen."
0: Like, what were the other ones?
1: Uh, I was doing a big medieval knight movie. Oh yeah, um, and then uh, Nosferatu right um and uh so then uh and and also like a rasputin miniseries um
0: none of those were are happening
1: not at the moment <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yes yeah, so then um so so we started working on on the on the lighthouse uh together but when he said you know ghost story in a lighthouse i i i pictured this crusty dusty musty rusty black and white boxy aspect ratio movie I didn't know what the story would be but I had like the vibe and the atmosphere like in in my head you know and so then we kind of went from there
0: and what is it about to you
1: Uh, I mean I've you know it became a movie about toxic masculinity which wasn't sort of the intention it was just trying to make a story about two lighthouse keepers and one that goes crazy but there's something about identity there's there's a lot of things, yeah. uh, you know, um, but but it is it was deliberately meant to be an obscure movie, and I, and it and it is sort of I recognize that it's kind of one scene over and over and over again
0: with slightly higher stakes. But it, but it's interesting to me somebody as you know decisive and meticulous, and I guess this happens when you when you direct or when you write it or anything like in, in directing, you know, putting that thing together. Uh, you don't know what it's going to reveal to you ultimately, no matter how much control you have. Well, but
1: over. the other thing, too, is that I'm never trying to make a movie with a message because the whole my whole sort of my whole sort of way in is like, how do I present the mindset of the people in this world in this period without judgment, mm. you know, without sure. judgment and just put it out there? Now, yeah. I understand that there are certain things. That I'm showing about myself, even though I'm trying to not show anything about myself.
0: About you as the artist. Yeah, I mean,
1: like you know, when I one of the first journalists I spoke to in France was said, you know, you don't in the Northmen, you don't, you always all the sexual violence is implied, you don't show it, Uh and that's saying something to me about me, even though I'm saying like I'm showing the Viking mindset without judgment, but to, to the degree that I'm successful. Like, you know, when, it, it, when I made The Witch, you could still email, email me. But then a lot of like crazy people started <laughs> emailing me. Uh, just people saying I was like stealing their dreams and stuff like that. When you do, when oh, you. Those we, we, when, yeah. But <laughs> before, but be, leave that out. Yeah. I had, you know, kind Satanists saying, like, you believe what I believe. Right. You know, sure. and also kind conservative Christians saying, you believe what I believe. Hmm. You know, that felt good.
0: Yeah, because it was uh, broad, varied.
1: Well, but also again, like it's like presenting it without judgment. That's what I mean. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You got a lot of input from, yeah. uh, from a lot of interesting <laughs> areas. Well, I get that. I, I get the and 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 also like I, I think that I just before so I don't forget it. In in the witch, there seems to be an appreciation, and it's in the same with the new movie, and probably in the White House a bit of nature and the power of it. You, you know, I, it's not in the
1: lighthouse.
0: No, the whole movies is. Yeah, like yeah, outdoors. And, you know, yeah. But I mean, I'm just. I guess I'm romanticizing because, like, sure. you know, Iceland and the the hills of New England are 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 you know that the that. The, but I but but for, but I
1: do but I do think that in all of my work, it's more like nature's to me, is expressed more like a 19th century romantic painter where, right. like, I'm in awe of it, but right. it can kill you.
0: Right, that's exactly it. <laughs> you know? That, but that, you know, be, but you integrate that. I mean, she yeah. rises into the trees, and yeah. the Northman, I got to see that tree of life a few times. Yeah. And in the lighthouse, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just picture that, you know, it was just this, like, brutal thing <laughs> that was always there. Yeah. You know, you weren't you moving through it as much in my head.
1: Well, no, because you're stuck on I an know, island.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> But in the in the Northman because I thought it was amazing. I, I, I loved it. Right away, because of the intensity of the violence and the savagery of it, and then also the the mention of Kiev just in passing, it it does resonate brutally with what's going on in the world. Yeah. And like like it, it it doesn't have context in terms of, of the politics, but in terms of violence, it, it resonates in a very deep, disturbing way because of what's happening now in the Ukraine.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I set act two originally in the British Isles, and Alexander Skarsgård, this is, you know, three years ago or whatever, said, you know, we've seen that a lot, like, let's, let's go, to the land of the Rus uh, instead, and I, you know, and this this sounds like an awkward thing to say now, but it's true. But like, I re- I'm, re- I'm really into Ukrainian folk culture, and so I was ex- ex- excited to, to do that, you know, and 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 yeah, we had we obviously we had no idea that that you know that like having Act Two in the film be an ancient Ukraine was going to mean what it means, yeah, you know, and and I think, you know. Again I mentioned that I was never into Vikings uh, and what and it was going to Iceland not a news flash that the landscapes there are incredible but th- they were so like awe inspiring that they led me to pick up the Icelandic sagas and that's what got me into this culture and to see like oh this is a complex culture it's a culture of incredible technology like their world was as much smaller than we think because of their ships and because of the trade routes and it was a culture of cultural fusion and religious fusion you know i mean in terms like, of tribals? well Tri- in terms of in terms of fashion and really like like r- different religious traditions would would shift and change along these borders i mean and, and this is not religious but just this is just you know fashion who cares but but you know amleth's medallion that he wears is an arab coin mm. you know but the stereotypes that made me not interested in vikings in the first place like were true as well so yes they're incredible really incredible poets and visual artists but this but also this patriarchal extreme violent culture is horrifying but then you say we haven't changed Hmm. we have not changed at all Mm -hmm. and that is uh you know the most depressing, the most depressing thing
0: that that all. human nature may be barbaric, and and the possibility of change is is, is futile in a way almost.
1: It is futile. It's a hundred percent futile. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing. You have to be a pessimist as a realist. You know, just open your eyes,
0: mm-hmm. or but, at the very but, least, a cynic. But yeah,
1: you have to choose to be an optimist anyway. You have to always fight against it. Right. I mean. If I wasn't an optimist, like against my better judgment, like I couldn't get out of bed,
0: <laughs> sure, but that's yeah. that darkness you talk about that kind of inspires you in a way that 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 is where the catharsis happens yeah yeah it is is to get some sort of um you know vision that will enable you to to have the i don't know if you call it hope, but at least the the idea that you can hold that stuff back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The will the will to do. <laughs> right. You right. Know. to you bend know. reality into your you know, to, what you do is a cult almost. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Filmmaking. Yeah.
1: I mean there it, there's a there's a way and uh, there is a magic to it. I mean like like let's
0: be real. Sure, of course. You know? Of course. I mean there's that's why there's like so many people are dealing with celluloid again. I mean that yeah. the idea of film and, and yeah. there is Me something. too. You did it. Yeah. And you love it. I do. So these stories, though, I mean, like, I'm not a Shakespearean guy, but, you know, I was talking to my buddy Sam Lipsight, and he brought it to my attention that, and I'm, I, I I, think it's in some of the press as well, that this was one of the sources of Hamlet.
1: Yeah, this, this Scandinavian folktale, Hamlet, was, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the primary plot is, is from this Scandinavian source, which, by the way, I didn't know. You didn't? Which I was so fucking embarrassed. Oh, I yeah. Did, like, it just, I don't know. I guess. Sax- did your dad know? I'm sure he did, but Saxo Grammaticus doesn't sound very Nordic. So I guess like reading it Danish Saxo yeah. like whatever, it just yeah. didn't lodge in my head. Yeah. Uh, but the great thing is, is that everybody knows this story. Uh-huh. Everybody knows this story, and like, yeah, like this movie deliberately has an incredibly simple plot because I wanted to be able to explore and share with broader audiences like the ritual culture and the mythological culture and the religious culture in a way that like you can't usually
0: do in movies. This I don't size. think everybody knows the end though. No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not Hamlet.
1: Well, but I think, I think that. Um, the struggle, the, 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 the basic the story, revenge journey. the basic revenge journey. You yeah. get, yeah. you know, yeah. like right. and right. so and so so that so hopefully you're not lost when severed heads like are talking in people's minds right. or whatever,
0: you know. Well, that's just the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about like the research on on this because I like the supernatural element of it. You, you know, I think it weaves in well. It doesn't seem um, ridiculous, and you know, right at the opening of the the movie you know you're you, the shot is i i is, is a, a volcano about to go right which is just a, a vision of the future yeah but uh and also the landscape's amazing but i thought you wove together the myth and and what appears to be a a, a very studied um vision of what life was like
1: yeah and i think i mean so you know I this I'm working with like the greatest Viking archaeologists and historians like on the planet you are yeah on this movie
0: but are they there? Where are they? Uh, you know, do they, do they teach at colleges?
1: Yeah, you... yeah, like like Neil Neil Price is in Sweden, yeah. and uh, Terry Gunnell is in Iceland, and, uh-huh. and Joanna Friedrich's daughter, who's Icelandic, I think she's yeah, she's in Oslo.
0: So you reached out to these people while you were writing?
1: Yeah. So we had once once sh- so Shion, who's like this incredible Icelandic poet and, and the novelist. co-writer, he's the co-writer. Uh, basically, like I think I'm working on something with Shion that has nothing to do with Vikings or Iceland. Like he's a brilliant, brilliant, incredible writer.
0: So you met him before you had this? I met this, him before, yeah. You had this idea before I had
1: Before I had this idea. Huh. Uh, but then, once once this was gonna, like, uh, well, what happened was, I started thinking about Vikings to that trip to Iceland, which yeah. is the trip where I also met Shion. Okay. okay? Yeah. Then, a couple years later, Alexander Skarsgård and I have lunch, Yeah. and he says, like, I've been dreaming about making a Viking movie since I was a kid, and I've been trying really hard the past five or 10 years to do it, and so I kind of walked away saying well let's try to make a viking movie together yeah. so then <laughs> i knew i needed an icelandic co-writer yeah because you know even even the most uh, the icelanders and most allergic to vikings knows yeah. what viking saga characters they're directly related to uh-huh. and uh, and they you know and many contemporary icelanders still believe in land spirits and fairies uh-huh. so someone who grew up in that cultural milieu i i needed and so that was shown so anyway once this movie became more real and we had a good script, then we started sharing it with these historians who gave us more feedback. And they worked with us all through production, you know, and, and mostly in prep. Uh, but sometimes we'd be on set saying like, you know, what, how do we do this? Burial you know, mound. You know, or what, whatever, whatever it is, like, yeah. you know, like whatever it is. And, and, and right up to the very end, the, the last title card of the film that is subtitled The Northman. Yeah. Actually says The Saga of Amleth or Amloth the Saga. And uh, and after we, I'd finished the movie, I'd like left London, everything was done. Neil Price emails me. There's a There's a rune typo on the final <laughs> title card of the movie. Really? Yeah. So we had to go in and like fix that.
0: <laughs> wow. He caught it. He caught it he
1: would have been probably the only one he said there was like about 40 people who would uh, notice
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank god you got that right but what in terms of your experience with what it seems like this guy the guy you wrote it with what's his name so his his writing moved you before anything else i mean you you know you like his stuff you know
1: he had a story where someone's dying and they're having this religious reverie in their death of understanding everything while they're shitting their pants and remembering they left the stove on.
0: Huh. Come on. So you love it. <laughs> That's the next movie. <laughs> yeah. It takes place in one room. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you uh, in in doing this thing? Cuz like I visited I was in Sweden briefly and was able to go see that ship that they have preserved there mm-hmm. in Stockholm, you know, the one mm-hmm uh which I, I don't know anything about viking culture and i and i went to see some of the other ships and stuff but you start to really realize like holy shit these guys really had it together on yeah. some level yeah but the burial mound stuff and that ceremony that you got like that was devastating
1: yeah and that's that so basically there is a uh, an arab ambassador named ibn fadlan who saw uh, a a viking uh funeral mm. their god was was probably Odin, so the ship was cremated so that it would go up to Valhall. Here, there, God is Freyr, so it's a burial. But in any case, other than that, it's, it's the same. You know, it's what, it's what Fadlan described, including the, the sacrifice of the enslaved woman to be his wife because he didn't have one.
0: You oh, know. okay. So that was what that was. I mean... What if he did have a wife? Would she have been sacrificed? N-
1: uh, s- s- n- there are there are ideas that maybe that was the case sometimes. But, you know, there, you, you know, Neil Price, who's one of the historians we worked with, uh, likes to say that, like, all these burials are, have s- different stories. But we don't know what the stories well, what of be- all of them are.
0: Right. What begat what? I mean, the Egyptians did that, too, in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. They, did, does one come from the other? Or was there a mingling that you know? Did you talk of, about?
1: about... About Egyptians specifically, no. But but theres yeah. but obviously, there are things in
0: oh the journey with bring your stuff
1: well, yeah, bring your stuff yeah. but they, but it's interesting how like all like we talk about these trade roads yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that these ships move moved around there's traditions in medieval Iceland that are surrounding the undead that still happen in 20th century Romania, the same uh-huh. thing huh. like it's it's interesting.
0: it just sticks, right yeah and that well, that's the you know the depth of that. I, I imagine that something about what you were talking about when we started, in terms of, uh, you know, secular country and and, and sort of like you, you know being, you know, Marvel movies and everything else. Is that like if you don't like, and I'm a Jew that doesn't practice, mm-hmm. but this stuff runs deep and it runs back far, like a long time. You know, in in very small ways, it it kind of has a life that mm-hmm. keeps going, even if you don't practice. Yeah. So I imagine some of this stuff that you said at the beginning your your quest to to at least you know engage or or transmit the sublime you're you're drawing from these this in this movie in particular and and in the first one these resources that are kind of ancient very <laughs> <laughs> and you know and and I wonder if you uh, do you feel like you you hit it a little bit the sublime with this movie um you know <clears throat> when you look at
1: it, I I can't watch. I cannot watch The Witch because I'm proud. I mean, I'm proud of it, and like I'm not saying it's shitty or anything. And I'm and I'm very proud of the performances. But great, yeah. But I was, I, you know, I, it was my first film, and I couldn't get what was in my imagination onto the screen fully. But like which part? The the, the supernatural part? Just in general, okay, it just doesn't okay. live up to my expectations. Okay. The lighthouse, like you know. I have a feeling I, I can see that you're like maybe on the fence about the lighthouse, but on the no,
0: fa- no, I loved it. But, I, just, but, I, just, I just like it was hard for me to. I loved a lot of it and I liked the you know, I liked the dynamic between them and I liked the lighthouse. I just can't, but keep you, it also, in my head. you also don't have to like the lighthouse. as no, 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 it, but it, I'm just but, saying it doesn't, the, the, the through line's different. Yeah. Well, there's like, the through
1: line is like not very right, much of a through line, right? Um, but, but that was really, I mean, that's so close to what I. Had in my brain. Yeah. So, like, I'm very proud of that. Right. Now, this film is kind of mixed. Like, some things I'm super, like, ex- really how I imagined it. And some things not just because the scale was so exponentially larger that, like, I couldn't quite reach what I was reaching for. And so <clears throat> I look forward on the next film to kind of scale it back a bit and learn what I learned, like, use what I learned on the North Bend to be able to kind of. Yeah, but I think I feel like you did the landscape justice. Thank you. Did you? Yeah, for the most part. Mm. For the most part, but it's just it's like um, it's certain like intangible th- things. Yeah, you sure. Know, but you know.
0: but are they solvable problems to you? Um. Like, is it like a thing you watch it and like if I. Like I,
1: I, I yeah I mean now that I've made the Northman I could make it again a lot better but I already made it so like too late you know that <laughs> ship has sailed I mean you know Ethan Hawke was there the day we re-wrapped, and he put his arms around me and Jaren. And he's like well congratulations guys I mean man you guys did everything you could possibly do in a movie in this movie so like now you can do anything right. I mean you can't do car chases and like helicopters stuff but you want to do that anyway Rob you know and Jaren and I look at each other it's like yeah now we know how to make this movie yeah right <laughs> like, this one. You know, yeah. But, 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 you know, but like, like, thank God that I don't know how to do everything. Thank God, like, I'm stretching myself and learning and have something to like strive for. Yeah. You know, like, Alem Klimov, after he made Come and See, was like, well, can't make a better move than that. I guess it's time for me to like, you know, and pack up my bags. Did he? No, I mean, that's hey. it. That was the end. You oh, know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I, I mean, it's so rare that uh, uh, an artist of any kind really has that moment confidently.
1: If you, yeah, I think that I think, I think if you feel like you're like in ship shape, you're probably sunk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. But in in terms of shooting, like, how much did? Because I watched the the silent, the old witch. Do you remember? Like, how much did like earlier films? Like like like, Hexen. Yeah, Hexen. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are moments in your composition, and 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 you know when you shift from you know these wider longer shots. To the the framing in, in intimate shots that that strikes me as sort of silent era ish. Do you do you find are you a fan of that? Stuff? Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of silent cinema and all. But
1: and also, I mean, you know Hitchcock who grew, who came up in silent cinema. Yeah, you know would always and I do this too. Would always you know watch his movies like without any sound to make sure that you can like follow it you uh-huh, know? and that uh-huh. and that's what helps it be like imagistic and, and cinematic
0: yeah and i and i find that they're like i like that in the bookends of your films there's a a, a circle of dancing naked people that's important <laughs> <when> <laughs> yeah you're making...
1: seems seems to be like like
0: nudity and fire like yeah yeah but that's like old old timey stuff man yeah um and also i uh, congratulations on that turn like he, Nicole Kidman's turn, in, you know, in this movie, in the character was kind of she really fucking did it, man.
1: Well, that's that's one of the scenes that I'm very proud of.
0: Dude, that was fucking good. Thank you. Yeah, is your your dad around still or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. So, what's his input? What does he say about your work? Out of curiosity, your parents?
1: They, I mean, look, I I had, I'm lucky to have incredibly supportive parents yeah, you know I I, I mean I was talking to this guy who's really massive in the industry who's like around 80 years old Uh and he was sculpting as a kid yeah. and his father would just like smash his shit and you know and just totally discourage him and to see that the strength the ego strength that this guy had to get to where he is in the industry today is like amazing you know I had the opposite I had like support
0: you know. yeah um what is the next thing you think
1: uh i'm just i unfortunately have to be elusive because i keep running my over the years i've run my mouth off about things i'm trying to do and they don't happen and then i feel like right awkward and i'm having to like you know
0: well let me ask you about this nosferatu uh sure obsession what you know what was left undone with the other two or three versions of it
1: well, they just—I mean, they the fell apart twice. You know, it's like it, I, your movie did. My, yeah. But
0: I mean, but I'm talking about oh, the movie. Why? Movie's why,
1: been made. why? Oh, why bother? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe the ghosts of more now is saying, "Drop it, buddy." Yeah. Like I made a masterpiece like that. Uh, you know, influenced all of cinema. Herzog, because of like German history, and like German cinema history, had the right and needed to do that. Like as a sort of part of his personal path and like forget about it Uh like forget about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe he's saying that yeah Uh, I guess you'll just have to figure that out yeah but thanks for talking man it was good yeah it was a pleasure thank you there you go huh I'm telling you the guy might be a genius. The Northman opens in theaters this Friday, April 22nd. For all my tour dates and things and stuff, go to uh, wtfpod.com, okay? No music today. I'm going to give you a break. I'm giving myself a guitar break. Boomer lives. Monkey and La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. Yeah.